Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking adians? What the fuckables? Fuckables? I, there's so many... You know how it goes. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. On the show today, Jim Schubert. Jimmy Schubert and I were dormant at the comedy store in the late 80s, mid-80s, 86, 87. We got a weird chunk of history together. A lot of comedy store mythology in this one uh, that we are going to see truth in. And there's a, I, I, you know, Jim is always, he's a very excitable guy. And I'm excited to talk to him. So we'll get to that in a little while. Before I forget, as I always forget, this weekend, tonight, starting tonight, Thursday, the 18th, I will be at the Palms Hotel in Las Vegas at the Playboy Comedy Club. That's uh, the 18th, 19th, and 20th uh, at the Palms. If you're in Vegas, come to that next week. Hilarities in Cleveland. That's Thursday through Sunday, August 25th through 28th. If you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, come out to Hilarities. I haven't felt like I talked to you in a while. I know I did a live one. I guess I talked to you not too long ago, but everything's moving so goddamn fast that I feel like I get lost. I was feeling uh, panic, which is not unusual for me, just panic, and things are going well, but there's a lot more to do all of a sudden, so that makes me more panicky, and I got a book hanging over my head, so I'm writing that. These, These are not problems. I am not complaining. I just don't know how to deal with the panic all the time and the and the dread. But I figured out that there must be a way, it, almost an, an, an alchemy, to somehow bending panic and dread into excitement. Because I think it's exactly the same feeling. It's just one is based in fear and the other is based in a sort of positive anticipation. There's very little difference between you know saying fuck how am i gonna do that i mean i gotta do that thing and oh fuck yeah i get to do that that's gonna be great i i hope i hope it's as you know i hope i get through it and i get it done i'm excited to try such a fine line between that and like i'm never gonna fucking do it i'm not gonna god damn it god just that the precipice of panic and excitement it's a it's gotta be a mental switch man I'm excited that I figured that out right here in front of you. I did the alchemy. I worked out the math. I crunched the big mental numbers. I live a very undisciplined life of the mind. Pow! Wow. Boy, I just shit my pants. Justcoffee.coop. Available at WTFpod.com. So Monkey got out this morning. There's a hole in the screen that LaFonda figured out how to jump through, but Monkey was too stupid to... uh, to figure out how to jump through so we just let it be and then he figured out how to jump through it last night so we got out last night and then he we got him back in it was dark out and he came back in and he was just tweaked he was jacked he was high on the outdoors you know when you got an indoor cat and they go outside it's like fucking crack so they come in and they're like wired they're ready to be outside again in the wild fighting the big fight so he's all tweaked and then he gets out today somehow because the door got left open but he's he's just amped 
No panic in his mind. He just wants to get outdoors to eat some grass and smell some branches and maybe climb halfway up a tree. It's something cats do. But in my mind, this cat cannot defend itself. In my mind, this cat is is like a, a little... Maybe he's a little like me. I feel like he's panicky. He's a little tweaked. Uh, he can't stand up for himself in the uh, in the big fight outdoors with the scrappers and the strays and Boomer in the back. Uh, because one time he got out and he came back, he had a gash on his neck. I had to bring him to the vet and stick a cone on his head. It's a pain in the ass when you have feral cats and you have to actually try to get them to do things. So no, he, now he's out there and, I, and I'm worried that he's going to get lost. And he's, a, he's an animal. He knows where he eats. He knows where he lives. He knows where I am. How is he going to get lost? He, maybe he's going to get hurt. Maybe. Why am I assuming that an animal who is wired to be outdoors and instinctively defend himself is going to get hurt because he can't handle it? But I, in the same way, look, I, being lost, I've got an issue. In the last two months, I have been in two cars with this OnStar navigation system. And I have never felt, I, I, I can't even, you know, I felt like when I got, it wasn't my car, I wasn't driving it. I was with somebody who had it and they were very excited to have it. it came with the car. You just hit a button and then there's all of a sudden a voice in your car. A person is attached to your car and they're saying, you know, OnStar Navigation Assistant or whatever, can I help you? And you tell them the address and you're connected to this person. I've never felt so stupid and so creeped out at the same time. Look, you know, I have GPS. I understand the GPS idea. I do miss the time, I don't, it gets to a point with technology where I don't, how did we live before? I mean, there was a time where you get on the phone, like, how do I get there? So you turn right at the thing and then I go left where? And then, okay, so it's right there across from the other thing. Like the, it's there where the, where the weird sign is. All right. And there was an adventure to finding it. You might not find it. You might scramble around, but now there's no reason to ever be lost. And I think I miss being lost. You know, I'm worried about my cat out there. He's not lost. He'll figure it out. He's going to go have a great day, scramble around, maybe get hit by a car. Hope not. I just, I don't know where it became okay. Now we have this voice in our car that there was always this fear at some point. I know I've talked about this theme before about uh, not totalitarianism, but the idea of, of surveillance and big brother. And this was a big fear, a big fear for all of us, you, you know, that, uh, you know, we're being monitored. You know, they're watching us. Well, now we want them to, apparently. They're in our car. OnStar Navigation, can I help you? Yeah, thank God you're here. So you got me on the screen? Do you know exactly where my car is? If you focused in on the little blip of light that is my car on the great global grid of things, can you see me moving through time and space as a little light point on your big screen? Am I? Does the satellite have me? Am I cradled in the arms of of the great satellite in the sky so you can help me find a gas station. I don't like being lost, and I do like knowing where I'm going, but I remember maps. Don't you remember maps? Do you remember having to pull over, open up a map? I remember when I was younger, you'd take a trip. You had to get, we used to get trip ticks at AAA. Do you remember trip ticks at AAA? You, you, you'd plan a trip, and you'd go to AAA if you were a member of AAA, and for some reason, all AAAs look like they got stuck in time around the Mad Men era. There, there was something weird in 1950s about it. Even the people that worked there seemed almost 1950s-ish. It seemed like, a, a, like, it seemed like an America when the middle class was just being invented and people were, you know, drove big cars and there was an excitement to, to hitting the road. 
and you'd leave with this weird flip book of your entire trip and on every page you'd have a section of the map and you'd look at it and you'd say can we avoid that look that looks like a thing we should see hey there's a hotel that's got a triple a rating which now i don't know what that means but yeah and it's not necessarily great but hey there's a restaurant that you can stop at there's all that, you know, the, the interactive thing where you're with your person in the car, a friend, a family, everyone's fighting over the map, dad's lost, all that stuff, gone. Gone. I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, there's something about being lost that enables us to find ourselves. I mean, that's a very great moment. Like, I got it. I got it. I know I know where we are. I know where I am. Yeah, and that can be a metaphor as well. Physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, being lost is something, it's something great. It's something to be cherished. It's something you have to reckon with. You know, to be lost and not be corrected by machines, and they can be equally lost. I mean, I don't know. Eventually, they're going to get to a point where they're going to convince us that memory is some outdated human mode that is imprecise and dangerous. And by they, I mean the machines that make us do things because we think they are better than us. And the weird thing about this OnStar thing, I mean, what if you were to engage in a conversation with them? What if you were to say, uh, yeah, hello, OnStar Navigation, uh, can I help you? Yeah, man, I got problems. I, you know, I'm in trouble here. I'm in the car. I'm driving to a bar right now. I haven't drank in 12 years, and, and I fucking had it. Uh, well, can, um, do you have an address? Is that all, that's what you're going to ask me? Do I have an address? Do you, did you understand what I said? I 12 years sober, 12 years sober, and I'm going to go drink, and I shouldn't be drinking. Uh, what, what city are you in, sir? I mean, is there, uh, do, do you have an intersection? Yeah, I'm at the intersection of uh, I don't want to live anymore, and I'm about to take action that might, you know, assist me in, in, in doing that. Can you help me? Uh, if you give me an address, hmm. Can you can you can you put someone else on the line? I should have engaged with them. I should have. But the the interesting thing is is that uh, the these machines don't always help you. I, I mean, I was with my buddy Al. We we needed a gas station. He was in a borrowed car. You know, it, it, it's what what are we lost in spaceships? Do we need ground control to get us in? What are we Apollo thirteen or whichever one that was? It's like our, you know, I don't know if the heat shield's going to hold. We might have to do this by hand. Can you guide us in Houston? No, it's like, I need to find a sushi place in downtown Los Angeles. Can you guide us in? We just have a craving. Heat shield is fine. So then we get we get the OnStar navigation. We said, we need a gas station now. We're running out of gas in this truck that he was borrowing. And they gave us an address. They, we said, where's the nearest gas station? They said, well, there's Joe's Gas. And Al says, do you have one that you know maybe has a, a brand name that I can identify as opposed to Joe's? So we get another one. We go to the address. No fucking gas station there. And I knew there was probably a gas station a few blocks up on this one street. But Al says, wait, I got an app on my phone that's just for finding gas stations. So now OnStar, the human, disappointed us. You know, led us astray. So he pulls out the app to find a gas station. That takes a while to boot up. Meanwhile, we're burning gas. The app says where, you know, where a gas station is. No gas station there either. We finally find one. So we couldn't even have the joy of being lost and finding our way on our own to a gas station. No, the joy we experienced was we beat the machines. These machines are useless. Both of them fucked up. The machine with the person in it and the machine with just a machine in it. Both of them fucked up and we are better than machines. That's the lesson to be learned. We would have found the fucking gas station without the machine. And maybe we would have had a conversation other than, so does this app usually work? Or how do they know where they're going? 
What's the point of talking to that person? Is that a person? Can we ask them other questions? We could have had the experience of actually being lost, seeing a new neighborhood. I find that with my phone too. I'm walking down the street. I don't even pay attention to what's going on around me. I'm sitting there texting. I'm sitting there looking at a GPS, looking up something on Google, on my phone. I'm not even taking in the world around me. Huh. And now I'm working at that pace. Nothing is moving fast enough for me. I'm in a car. It seems to me that every stoplight takes an hour. I am full of aggravation and panic trying to turn that into excitement. Fuck, I wonder if Monkey's back. Is there some sort of navigation device I can put on the cat? Like that I can pull up on my computer so I know exactly where he is, which car he's under, whose deck he's under, which fucking shitty stray cat is kicking his ass right now. Jumpstart Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm sorry, man. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Bro, everybody sent your watches back to 1985. That was the... One word. That's right. Jumpstart. That is so funny. That was the worst part about hanging out with Dice. And for a little while, you would get a nickname, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, hot yeah. tub Johnny Popcorn yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, Marty Noodles Levenstein. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that was it. Yeah. No, what was his girlfriend's name? Cheesecake or something or Muffin or yeah. what, what yeah, the yeah. fuck was her name? I, I I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. You would always get everybody had a nickname hanging out with him. Well, that, well that's the weird thing about, you know, when I was thinking about our history and about, you know, me coming into the comedy store when I did in 87, that, you know, you were already there, and there was that system in place where you had to be a doorman, you had to hang out, you had to do this. And, and it's still sort of, there, it's, there's, there's a, a bit of it left over there, but it's not the same. No. But then there was this whole idea of satellite comics. No one ever called them that except for Mike Becker, Mitzi Shores. Or I don't remember who said it, but there were certain guys that had satellite comics. Like, you know, like, and, and I think we were Sam satellites, but you were actually a Dice satellite when I, right? Well, initially, I, you know, I, I met That's Dice. That's how we start out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we start, and, uh, and you're right. I was part of that, that system where you start working as a doorman. Yeah. And then you get the weekend spots in the belly room. Yeah. And then Mitzi was, you were, she was nurturing you and bringing you along. And you which, were, yeah. And then you were, <laughs> and, then, and then I started driving to Lucy. Yeah. Because then she had the room in Vegas. Yeah. And you had to go pick her up. Yeah. <laughs> and then. I fucked her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that joke he had I had a beeper on my dick yeah yeah that's right when I was the doorman how old were you though oh dude I was a kid man I, I was, know I was like this you know it's funny I was, I was thinking about man I was 26 years ago not to date me and you but that is 26 years ago were you like 20 21 yeah I was 19 I remember turning 21 out I, I got I, it's so funny I got a birthday cake yeah on my 21st birthday and all kinds of red flags. So I'm go, how come you get a birthday cake? Why you get a- From Mitzi? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was the dead giveaway. Everybody knew that. You know, everybody knew that. It was like, I was the oh, game on. Yeah. But, but, you know, I was one of the few guys that actually pulled it off without losing my mind. You know? Yeah. I didn't actually, like, you, you know. You were a kid. Well, yeah, but I was a kid. But it was the younger guy, older chick fantasy, you know? Sure. I mean? And I had just run. I had just read, I remember I just read Sammy Shore's book, The Warm Up. Yeah, that's Pauly Shore's dad, Mitzi Shore's ex-husband. And the guy who started the comedy store yeah. in, uh, in 1972. So I was going out there, and I started reading his book because I want to educate myself about the oh, whole- Oh, before you left Philly? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the, read the book. No, I think I read it after I got out there. And I went and saw Sammy Shore was doing a play based on the book. Yeah. And then um, and then not too long after that, I, I wound up, uh, you know- Banging his ex-wife. Yeah. 
as a, as a child. As a, as a, as, as a, yeah. But I think what was weird about that whole scene, and I think, you know, I, I don't, you, you, what, you grew up in Philly, you got a big family, right? Yeah, I got six brothers. I remember those guys. They were, you know, they came around once or twice. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. or two of them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and what, what drove you to, to Los Angeles to begin with? I mean, like, you, you seem sort of like a scrapper. You come from a tough family. Wasn't yeah, your yeah. dad a cop or something? My dad was a cop. My dad was a Philadelphia detective. Yeah. I felt bad for him. I realized later on he was loaded. It was my dad was a Philadelphia detective and he was raising six criminals. You know, and we didn't we didn't learn the metric system in school. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. how much was an eight ball? Yeah, that's <laughs> right, right. But uh, but you know, he, we were always getting in trouble. And he, uh, you know, if he had to come down and get you out of the police station, then, then you were getting the you know you were getting the, the famous forearm punch. And you but were, but but the bottom line is he could come get you down at the police station. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would it would be uh, you know there would be no nothing would happen. Yeah, you know they, he would just come and get you. Uh, it, it, would, it would almost be easier if they made you go to court and you know because <laughs> you learn a real lesson uh, yeah you learn a real lesson because uh <laughs> uh but if he had to come get you it was you know you get the four and he, my dad has this one hand yeah is enormous and i don't know what happened if he broke it or yeah yeah it, but it's an, and i don't know whether it was his interrogation hand yeah yeah or it was the hand he used like i mean but it was <laughs> the, the bad cop hand but he would yeah the, he would yeah the bad cop he would it would envelope your hand i mean it would wrap right around like, yeah oh. and uh but he was. An is he still around? He's still around. Yeah, him and my mom are still together. Thank well, that's, God. That's fucking amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a kind of like a, you know, it's a, for, you know, kind of throwback thing. I mean, I didn't really see, it, but I, I think it's more like a like. A, for some reason, they they probably could have get, get, but now it's like what's he's the just point? is he just living on his pension and just hanging out or what? Well, no, he's he's a he's a private investigator. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's like an old gumshoe man. He can't let it go. He oh, just, really? Yeah, yeah. He still is. Uh, he's got a you know he's got a security firm and he hires. My dad's a FOP delegate, which is the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh huh. And he hires like uh, like cops, off duty cops, because they have the gun and the badge, so they're off duty cops, so they can they get more money it, for like security firms, like people who have day trading offices uh -huh. and stuff like that. Yeah. With, you know all the people who snap. And so it makes sense to. I'd rather here's thirty bucks to an off-duty cop who yeah. can make some money, yeah, and uh, be legitimate and not have to take, you know, be on the take. But he can on his off hours, you yeah, know, use his gun and a badge to make a, a pretty uh, nice little side angle. But and my dad it, actually does that. He delegates that out. He has a bunch of jobs and he's a bunch of guys on the payroll. And uh, and and they're guys with guns that know how to use them. And you, you hope they're not mentally unstable. <laughs> no, no, he, you know, he's very specific about the kind of guys. They're all they're all good cops, you know. So when you when you left, did you go? Well, you finished high school and you took off. Or what yeah i done i you know i was uh i can't believe i want to tell you this so, but i used to do magic i, was I remember i was gonna bring it up if you didn't <laughs> it's like i remember finding some weird old resume that you put together when we were living together in crest hill I, there was some paper uh, laying around like you had cut and pasted some newspaper articles i think you might have made up and yeah, that's exactly right i did i made my own press kit <laughs> i took <laughs> That's so funny. I took all these. I took all these advertisements. Yeah. And there was a thing in the LA Weekly called Pick of the Week, right? You know, and I would go in there and I put shrunk my picture down and I put it over top and I said Jimmy Schubert. I wrote my little blurb and I surrounded it with articles so they had nothing, to, no newspaper print to compare it to. Yeah. And then uh, I started. I made like I cut like three of those articles. <laughs> Oh, funny that you know that. <laughs> and, I, and I would send those out. Yeah. I would send those out. And uh, I remember, like, uh, I was a kid named Ralph Williams that got me, uh, he got me a gig, you know, when he told When me, you were in Philly? No, no. When we were in L yeah. LA, you know, yeah. I sent that guy, that press kit yeah, with that yeah, made yeah. up stuff. And he goes, nah, and, and he, Ralph lied to the guy. He was this uh, guy named Ron Perea in, uh, in Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Yes. Yes. I work for Perea. Oh, yeah. So, and this was the thing. I couldn't even, I, could, I had to take a train. 
I had to take a train to Albuquerque to do the gig. Why? But because I couldn't afford a plane ticket, and it was you know I was I, you know two two and a half days on a train. This was like my first road gig, and Ralph gave me the gave me the uh, he, I got the gig because he said he did he did he did uh, he did Joan Rivers and uh-huh. he did this and he made up a bunch of stuff and the yeah. guy booked me on that. Yeah. You know, and then and you're uh, headlining. Yeah, and I'm headlining. It was a rock club at the Chinese. Oh, not the Chinese restaurant. It's the mm-hmm. rock club. No, but the rock club. But the audience were there, and you had to perform. Like, I remember that place. Back, so it's and like, he and Ron Perez like sweating. He was just this large sweaty me, uh, Latino guy. It was hilarious, bro. Yeah. This guy would wear the boots. Yeah. and the tuxedo like yeah. he was some kind of ringmaster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, and uh, I remember doing that, that gig and. Uh, maybe not the first time. Or the, I think it was like the second or third time I went back. So what happened, though, when you go out the first time? Well, you know, I did okay. You know, I, I did okay. <laughs> Were was you doing like, magic? No, no. I was just right. doing stand-up. But I was right. doing stand-up. But, you know, right. you, you kind of like, you know, told a couple street jokes to yeah, fill sure, in the time. Sure. Of course, know. yeah. And uh, Here's one to take home with you. Yeah, here's yeah. a joke doggy back. You yeah. know? <laughs> hey, okay. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, there was a girl that he was with. Uh-huh. And what happened was, she, she was like, you know, she, he gave her the creep. She was like, oh, you know. I don't want to be with him. I, I said, well, listen, if you want to not be with him, then, you know, you can get out of the car and come with me and hang out. And, yeah. You know, so he pulls her to drop me off. She goes, and I'm going with him. And she slams the door. And he's like, hey, he goes, I'm going with him. And he's like, wheels out, pulls out. Yeah. And about 15 minutes later, the phone rings. He goes, I think you better find your own ride to the airport in the morning. Oh, that was as bad as it got? Yeah, yeah. You're lucky. Even Ferreira was kind of a pussy. No, that could have gotten ugly. No, no. He was, yeah, but he was a nutbag. But I, I've heard other stories about how guys canceled. And uh, he sent a guy a letter. He said, Consequently, I had to get a less talented act for my one-nighter. And then you canceled. I had to get another less talented guy. And I lost that gig. And I had and he goes, thanks for nothing. You killed me. I'm finished in show business. But he wrote this letter, which was hilarious. It was I, a form I, letter? Yeah, it was a form letter. <laughs> I, just, I was just hilarious. So you come from Philly, and then you, like, you, you locked in at the store. Like, this is, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain to people. Like, at that time in show business, it wasn't like a million years ago, but it's just like everybody was just trying to find a way in. It seems a lot easier for people to kind of get a way in, but, like, then it was like you were at the comedy store, you were at the improv, and you fucking did anything you could. You put together the fake resume, you just wanted to work, you know, you wanted to get in. Well, you know, also, when I when I first came out of here, I mean, I, I literally, I mean, I, it's funny, you said I drove out from Philadelphia and... I, I had bought a little uh, little bag of stuff to keep me going because I wanted to make it out there. I mean, I I was so goal oriented. I was. It's funny when I drove here to move here, I had an eight ball. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have an. I, I had a little bag of uh, crank. Oh, good you for know, you. Just a Twenty dollar <laughs> bag of crank. I, you know, you only had to do one to keep you going for three days. And I literally drove straight out. I think I didn't stop till like Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was listening to these tapes, "The Psychology of Winning" by you Dennis Waitley. You always do that. I remember you did that. You probably still do that. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but I was so motivated. Yeah. I literally yeah. got here two weeks later. I moved into this room I was running in a house. Yeah. Uh, started my job at the law firm, and I showcased for Mitzi. Yeah. And I didn't get passed. Yeah. But uh, I remember a few weeks later, Todd Lemish. Uh, the Todd. The Todd. Yeah. Uh, they needed doormen for uh, Tony Clifton. Yeah, so Zamuda was doing Tony Clifton. Tony Bob Zamuda yeah. was doing, but it was a year after Andy Kaufman's death. Yeah, and so everybody thought it was going to be the big joke. Like Andy he's Clinton's, still alive. He's right. still alive. So it was covered by press. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember watching that. It was my first. That was my first night as a doorman, and it was nuts. Tony Clifton was like, yeah, you know, yeah, get out of here, you fuckers. Who would go after? And the people. place was packed, and it was oh, crazy. It was packed, and it was crazy. It was you know, and that remember was that it. main room when it used to get packed, and we had that racket going. Like you weren't. By the time I got there, you weren't a doorman anymore. 
And but you know, just that, that thing where it was so fucking ridiculous what we do. Like the whole place would be empty, and then fucking these tourists would come in. The first people in line, you'd see them in the back, and they'd be like, "What about down there?" Yeah, well, uh, this gonna cost you a lot. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> me and me and Noodles had this thing out. Yeah, where we had five dollars between. Like I had three bucks, he'd have two. We go, hey, let's get a five. So we get a five dollar bill. Yeah, and he would go in with it, come out, slap it in my hand. I'd seat the next people out. I come back and slap it in his hand. He come. <laughs> so people saw him. We get them. We passed that same five dollar. Back and forth about just to get people to know that's how you did it. <laughs> well, that they should tip, right? Right, and we walked some nights with two, three hundred dollars. And now, remember, that's when they were doing three shows a night in the main room, and that seats like three almost four hundred people. Yeah, in there. they were turning that room over, and that was, I mean, that was the golden age. I mean, we were when we were we were ground zero. Uh, you were a little before me. Like, when I got there, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing there. I just knew that, like, you know, I, I had some big ideas, and I thought I was, like, a Mr. Drug Guy, and, you know, I thought I was, like, some sort of hippie genius. And you were already, like, you know, you were still in sort of the dice camp, but you'd sort of pulled away from that. So, how, well, what happened then that you get there, that you get aligned with him? How did he fucking suck you into his world of uh, <laughs> poetry and, and nicknames? Well, because I had worked with him. And I had picked him up at the train station. He came down from New York, and I had to drive those guys to out to uh, uh, Am the Ambler Cabaret out in uh, Pennsylvania. And then uh, I oh, drove before him. he moved to LA. Yeah, before he moved to LA, and then he came down, or maybe he had moved. So you to, were doing open no, mics. No, maybe there? he was back visiting and doing a couple one nighters or whatever. But you, know? you were doing, but you were yeah. doing open mics, and I was doing open mics in Philly, opening and shit. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I remember he went to check in his room, and he didn't have a driver's license or anything. Right. So I had to, put, you know, put down the driver's license, the credit card, so we could get the room. Right. And uh, and that was it. So when I came out here, He's I mean, a grown I, man with no driver's yeah. license. And. Uh, and, and and I knew I I mean I knew it was him, him and yeah. Dollface him and Dollface Dollface was that was it yeah so uh, so I met him and talked with him on the show and stuff and so we spent some time so I knew him so that's how I came out here and kind of got aligned with him and but and, did he kind of did he take care of you in any way no no I mean you, you know no it's funny it's funny I was working like you I was working on bits all the time yeah like, yeah I came up with this like kind of street version of the Wizard of Oz but I remember junkie, yeah, yeah, yeah you know and it's junkie and I, you know he wanted to get an OZ so I go see the deal and I, I and I came up with this whole idea and I I remember sitting down telling telling at the dice yeah so it was like a street version yeah. of the Wizard of Oz yeah. And I told him it, and like two nights later, he goes, hey, hey, come here, Let me, what, what do you think of this? Jump stuff, what do you think of this? Yeah. And he does it back to me verbatim. Yeah. And I said, Dice, <laughs> I told you that two nights ago. Yeah. You know, it was like... Uh, isn't that fucking interesting that that still that that has always gone on? See, that's what some people don't fucking remember is that sometimes these guys like with this whole stealing thing, especially guys that are all in their own head and they think it's all about them. They don't fucking know, you know, what they heard or what they thought. I bet you he didn't know in that moment that you just told him that. And the other thing is too is when you're immersed in it, and I mean, we were immersed in it. We were hanging out with comedians twenty four yeah. hours a day. Yeah. We were watching comedy yeah. twenty four hours a day. We were always goofing off. I mean, yeah. you're just immersed in it. It's you're going to have a little trickle down influence. Yeah. Of, I mean, you know, whether you take a guy's bit verbatim is one thing, but you're right. definitely going to have your influence, right? Without question, you know, the idea. Yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. of it, or you know, the idea splits, and then but, but, uh, guys go, "All right, well, you do it on the road. Yeah, I'll do it in the club. You know, you have your own little." But that place was also a festering hellhole of fucking sin. Oh uh, no, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> there is no question about it. I mean, man, I, it's so funny. I remember yeah. when we were- oh, Here we go. No, no, no. When yeah. we were at Crest Hill, yeah. and it was, you know, you'd meet these chicks at, at the thing, and you had this girl. I think mm. I think she was a married woman that would climb in the window. Oh, my God. She would climb in the window and have sex with you yeah. and then leave through the window. Yeah. And she goes, I hope she just climbed in. <laughs> but then you ended up fucking her. Didn't you? <coughs> I don't know that I did. Did I? Well, I think that like, like after I a think... certain point, it didn't matter what window she climbed in. <laughs> 
long as there was a willing participant on the other end. Well, no, it was so weird. I kind of remember that. Well, like Crystal was this house that Mitzi owned up on the hill, and she put comics up in there. I was living there. You came in later. Todd Lemish was living there. Tamayo was upstairs, and we, you know, generally Sam would come up there and we'd party up there. But you know, you and I were buddies. Yeah. And then, like, it seemed to me that once I got sucked into the Sam world, that you you were like, I don't know, buddy, be careful. And then all of a sudden, you were there, and yeah. then we were all in it together. Yeah. But but you're right. You you meet people down at the club because we were so fucking. We were like gypsies and freaks. That world was no one ever lived in that world. No one knows what the hell that world is like. We slept all day. We did drugs. We fucking hung out. We knew fucking rock stars I, yeah, and celebrities. Yeah, and they would come up to the house, and we were kids, dude. We were 20 years old. I, I know. I mean, and and you're you're hanging out with your guitar with Ted Nugent. Oh yeah, and yeah. Billy Idol was there, and yeah. Ron Jeremy. Yeah. And I mean, there was a truckload of freaks and hangers on oh, yeah. on peripheral people, and it was. I mean, there was a you know a, t- a table mirror full of bumps. I mean, yeah, yeah, watching yeah. this thing going. Oh my god! And there's people were drinking, and, and yeah. yeah, there was the you know there was just it was just it was madness. But that's so funny. I and remember I that woman climbing was, into the window. Yeah, and I wasn't even supposed to be staying there. I mean, I had nowhere else to go. I would have been on the street. I used to just. Oh, that's right. That's I just right. I just kind of set up. Uh, you weren't paying rent. And you stayed up in that front room. Yeah, yeah. And Nancy Redmond moved into that other room. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it was probably not doing stand up any longer. I don't know what she's doing. I I'm, bet she she probably is doing stand up. Well, I got news for you. Dude. It was uh, yeah, but that was uh, that was a sight. You'd roll over and she'd be in a bra and panties getting there. Oh, and God. that obese boyfriend that she had. I oh. think that he was shot or something. That guy. Oh yeah, that's in right. New York. Oh, you know what? You're right. That's right. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. Yeah, he gets shot and killed. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was such a freak, and it was. Uh, oh my God. I, it's all it's all coming back to me. Yeah, and then uh, you know, but I mean, you we were uh, you're right. We were crazy. I mean, we we I mean, we'd be up all night. We, yeah, with Rod Rodney Rod Blackman. Yeah, it's so funny. The first time I did mushrooms was with you and, and Rod, Rod Blackman. We had a good day. That's right. We had a great day, and we started doing them. And I remember I'd never done mushrooms before, and I was like, oh, man, you're going to love these, man. You're going to love it. And Rod's going, all right, man. Let's yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. And we had planned the whole day. Yeah. And I remember we just started getting off, going, oh, this is great. It's yeah. great. And then out of nowhere, out of the blue, Sam shows up. Kennison pops in. Like, like, uh, pops in like a like he was like a trip coach. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He goes, oh, you guys are doing mushrooms. Oh, you're going to love them, man. He goes, nah. And he was just, like, just as he was saying stuff, you were like, the time's going to seem to go by real slow. And you're like, yeah, oh, my God, it's going by real slow. Then you pull out a joint. And he goes, great. He goes, now let's get You guys are going to just get off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoke this joint. And it's going to make everything all right. And we went, all right, man. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. But it was like that. And then, and then, and it was, I mean, I swear, man, we had the best day just laughing. I know, and then we and went and worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we, we, we because we did the them, yeah, but we did them at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So by that time, nine o'clock, for all the women we could go down. And I forgot that Sam showed up and was actually, you know, kind and giving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, man. I mean, he was, uh, you know, uh, he definitely understood that world. You yeah, know? yeah. But uh, you're right. I mean, he had he had his moments of that kind of, you know, behavior. I mean, he's, sure. you know, I remember um, the one moment where he pulled out something that looked like a like a jar this big, like a jelly jar, yeah. with cocaine in it. Yeah. And and, and, I'm like, and he's like, and we're standing in one of the rooms at Crest Hill. He's like, you want to bump? And I'm like. Yeah, what do you want me to do? Where where should I do it? And he said, put your thumb in between your finger like that. Yeah. I learned that from the mob. I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I want to know the rest of that story. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, but I remember, you would sit around that table. Oh, yeah. And me and you 
of all the guys that were up there hanging on. I mean, we, yeah. were, we were talking about comedy the whole hours of the night. I know. What do you think about this? I know. And Sam explained his slow, slow burn. <laughs> I mean, were, were we better people for it? Probably not. But I mean, you know, we were, we, but we were interested. We were willing to learn, man. Stay yeah. up. And, and what, how did you come over? And yeah. then what do you do for that? And then, you know, well, that, that's funny. That was your agenda. Mine was like, what does Satan look like? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was some sort of black magician, some sort of wizard that had secret fucking nah, wisdom. And, he was just a douchebag just like a, everybody else. Just a <laughs> fucking comic. Just a flawed fucking human being with fucking problems, just like the rest of us. I mean, well, it's, I, well, it's weird because, you know, when all that shit hit the fan, you know, you you guys, you know, you were doing your shit and you always say, oh, fucking, I remember when we talk and you'd, we'd, we'd just riff and you'd go off on these fucking wild tangents and shit. Yeah. And, you know, we, it was all really good times and, and we, uh, we felt like a brotherhood. Then things got weird. Yeah, you know what the thing is, man. I I agree with you. I was thinking about it because I remember we had a we had a great. It was a great time. It was a great time to be that age. We were at ground zero in the middle of this comedy boom. Yeah, we got to watch all these great comedians. I mean, yeah. Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans and these guys, and none of them were anybody yet. They were just kind of like. Well, well, Jim, came, you know, Carrey came after you know before me, and Roseanne came before me. I saw Damon. I saw Pryor a couple times, but you must have been there. When did you get out there? Like eighty five, like the January eighty five. Right. So I came out in like uh, eighty seven. So yeah. you like you know. You saw Roseanne before she broke? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? She what? came out and she did the original room and blew it out. Yeah. She did, met, met, she drug her right over to the main room and blew it out. I mean, she was phenomenal. But she was out there and she and people tell, and she would tell Sam, I'm the female, you, you know? And Sam, yeah. I said, I was like, hey, yeah, you know? And I think he took her upstairs and uh, I think she uh, blew fucking... Sam upstairs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then she was hanging out, you know? And, 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 uh, and she passed the test. Oh, was, well, no. But, but she, she was, was like one of us. I mean, she was like a real comic. No question about Didn't it. Didn't you fuck her? What's that? No. I, oh. I, I, you know what's funny? Uh, you know, I remember Sam uh, goes, hey, you want to bump? I said, yeah. He goes, hey, man, you do me a favor? Yeah. I said, well, he goes, this, this girl, Roseanne, she's drunk. I mean, I just, you know, I, could you give her a ride? I said, yeah, where's she? He said, Olympic Boulevard. I was, I didn't know LA. I didn't realize there were two Olympic Boulevards. Yeah. So the Olympic I'm on trying to drop her off at, she, she couldn't find out where she lived. Yeah, yeah. I was renting a house. Yeah. I was renting a room in a house, and this woman was a member of Mensa. Yeah. And part of my thing was no overnight guests. And yeah. here I got this drunk Roseanne. <laughs> I can't find And I go, shit, gotta be quiet. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, she, and then she gets in, and I can get in there. I go, well, you can sleep on the floor. I mean, I wasn't going to just leave her there. I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know, you know, there were no, no cell phones back yeah, then. Yeah. I didn't know what the deal. I, I was going to leave her there. So yeah. I figured I'd get her up in the morning. I'd take her to the bus stop. She could work from there or call up whoever she knew. And, <laughs> and she was drunk, and I yeah. got the great for and she kind of grabbed me. A little uh, mouth to south resuscitation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yeah, but hey, what do you, hey, bro? Uh, hey, no, uh, I'm not judging. <laughs> It's a different times. We're comics. Yeah, we're comics, bro. I mean, uh, and I did. I mean, really, at that, at that point, I mean, I was just like, you know, I was just trying to. I was nobody, you know. What I mean, I didn't. I was staying in this house. I mean, she was. I mean, she went on to do the Tonight Show uh, several sure. weeks later. But sure. I remember uh, uh, I went to the comedy store later that night, and she was there. I yeah. said, "Hey, come here for a minute. Mind if I talk to you?" Yeah. She goes, "Yeah, what?" I said, "Not a word. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> no." But I mean, you know, I just, you know, it was what it was. I mean, you know. So I do that, and again, that was like you know so long ago. But you were there when Jim Carrey was there too. Yeah, I remember. I remember Jim. Jim used to come around, and uh, you know, he was. I think he had hung out. I think he had long let go all that kind of. So he was already a star. 
Yeah, he he was already. Started. I mean, I used to watch him in the main room get standing ovations. He would do these faces and stuff. And then there was, yeah, there were guys that like I would like I used to fucking love watch Damon Wayans. I remember when I had to drive people over to the fucking airport so they could do the the comedy store in the dunes, and we'd been up all fucking night, and I'm sweating, you know, fucking chemicals. Yeah, yeah. And one night I had to drive Mendoza and Campanera to the fucking uh, airport, and like I'm barely staying awake. There was no gas in the car, and they were like, "What the fuck is going? What the fuck is wrong with you, you asshole? We got to be at it was I, awful." Yeah, dude, I was like and and i was like you know when i had to pick up you know the limo mitzi had the limo that you'd use to take the comics back and i yeah. remember specifically when she came back from dunes i picked her up at the airport in a limo and you yeah know, got the bags and she goes well i'm gonna go uh to this check out this address because i'm gonna write a book and i'm gonna go look at this piece of property and you're yeah. gonna take me and i and said that, oh okay what did that and, mean well, well that well that was that was the day it happened that was the uh oh th so i'm driving and uh she got, uh, can't find the address i'm uh -huh. going back and forth and she, can you smoke pot and dry and, yeah yeah i can smoke pot and dry <laughs> and uh you know so we pull over and you know <laughs> you know get a little high and i stop at that store and get some uh drink and get some like you know get some callista and uh water and, yeah. and then uh, next you know you know we're uh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, in the back of the limo, yeah, and uh, you know, Mitzi was, uh, you know, I just, you know, she grabbed me, and next yeah. thing you know, I, I, she had me in her mouth, and yeah, and uh, I go, oh my god, my head, I remember a thought in my head, going, oh my god, I'm fucking comedy right in the face, you know, because. <laughs> It was so horrible. The history of comedy was <laughs> on my dick. No, but uh, and then and then after that, I got back in the car. I drove down to uh, uh, Alice's restaurant. I took her to dinner. I mean, I did the right thing. And I dropped her off that night. And I was so like, "What do I do?" I mean, that that really messed with me. Because you I, didn't know whether it was going to fuck you or not. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, like you, and know, I, you might have just made the biggest mistake in your life. Yeah, uh, you know, and and, and you know, and, and I will say this, and, and Mitzi has always been very good to me, yeah, and, and always been very sweet to me, and we and and has always taken care of me, and she's, uh, you know, so I so I tell the story because it's you know people want to know, obviously, but yeah. I, but certainly, uh, I mean, but the weird thing is, she always dated comics. I mean, you know, yeah. she she had a long relationship with Steve Landisberg and you know. uh, Danny Stone, which who knows well, that well, was a little dubious, uh, and they. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a, August Hamilton. August Hamilton. Yeah. Well, the story about that is, and, and I, you know, I, I imagine people would be interested that that Argus used to date Mitzi, yeah. and the reason Sam Kennison became what he was is he was just a door guy. That's right. And and apparently Argus was wasted and fucked up and was like choking Mitzi. Is that how the story that's goes? Exactly. And Sam knocked him off of her. Right. And that was the joke. She became he became a paid regular after that. Right. And, and she that, gave him the Santa Monica Comedy Store to manage. The the Westwood. Westwood. Right. And yeah. And that's what's the joke. Mitzi's like. I was only worth twenty five bucks a night on <laughs> spots, but that's what they said. But that's what they said. Yeah, you know. So. God, the fucking history of that place is so wild because we came in so you know we came in in the middle of it later almost. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, well, you know, and obviously there was the the, the comedian strike. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, which is kind of a pivotal thing in the history of comedy. If yeah. you think about it for a minute, because the guys would not, she wasn't paying anybody, and they never paid comedians. Yeah, you know, but I, I mean that that strike was pivotal because they held out. For, for the rights to get paid. Yeah. Up until then, nobody was getting paid anything. But it, it made a difference not only in Los Angeles, but it made a difference around the country. Right. As far as comedians getting paid. Yeah. So then what happens is, I have the big falling out with Sam yeah. because of the, the Satanist guy. And then everything gets all fucking crazy. Yeah. Right? And I remember all that. I remember exactly what happened. I've told the story on the podcast before. And I remember like... 
because I was so coked out of my brain, so psychotic. There was that night where I was in the comedy store parking lot. Oh uh, yeah, dude. And you, you know what the funny thing is, you were freaking out. Yeah, yeah, but you were nuts though. I mean, you know, you would go, ah, let's go get another one. Yeah, I know. like I'm going, oh, calm yeah, down yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But you, you know, we got you kind of get all caught up. But you're right. You, you do, I remember the night where I went with fucking Magid. You know the, you know, he was the dude who got the coke for everybody, and like he had, you know, we ran out at some night, and I just remember this moment because it was so fucking insane. I know what you're, you're talking about, where he tore the piece of magazine. That's out, right. Dipped right. two fingers in, threw in the thing, eyed it up, sucked up, folded it up, and put it in. Like he, like, like, and I remember you telling me, going, that should be in a movie. That scene. Well, that, well, that just... was what, what happened. Was like, I, he goes, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get some shit. I'm like, I'll take you because I wanted to see what, you know, where does he go. <laughs> Where does it happen? Yeah. yeah, and it's like fucking three in the morning, and we drive to like I don't even remember the neighborhood. I don't remember like there was a lot of rides I took back then. That I don't remember where, yeah. and I was driving, yeah. so I'm waiting in the car. I'm like I don't know what the fuck is going on, right? Yeah. So he comes out with he before he goes in, he rips out a page of a magazine, right? right that that I had in the car. He comes back and he un- opens the page of the magazine. There's got to be a half an ounce in there at least, right? And everybody had asked him for for you know half grams and grams. So all of a sudden he's ripping corners off the magazine, folding them into bindles, using his fingers to fucking just like eyeball it, eyeball, yeah, yeah. eyeball it, and he's folding it up and I'm like this is how it's done no scales or nothing and then like you know he dips his two fingers in like fucking you know like Scarface he just takes a scoop of blow and he goes yeah. and then he looks at me he goes you want some and I'm like I'm in I'm in you know and I fucking do a pop like that I'm like this is the life <laughs> I have arrived. I'm out with a drug dealer in the middle of nowhere, eyeballing half grams and doing coke with two fingers. Yeah. All right, so I lose my mind. Yeah, you you were just like that. And I kept telling you, even then, I, I kept saying, don't get too close to this. Because, you know the funny thing? I... I remember just hearing this guys talk about the say uh, all the thing never deny or confirm. I realized it was all bullshit. Okay, let's let's talk about that in a minute. That was their big fucking tagline: never deny, never confirm. Yeah, never. Yeah. What yeah. does that even mean? I don't know, but like people said, you know, uh, Sam was a cat. They sacrificed cats on the roof of the comedy store. And he, oh, that's they, right. They drank animal blood. He you, let you, the myth build. And you heard all this, yeah, these yeah. stories. Like, yeah, yeah. Pull the other leg and yeah, plays yeah, jingle yeah, bells. Okay, yeah. never yeah. deny or confirm, which means it, it never happened. You know. But I mean? at that point, you said ne- you always said never get too close. But the weird thing that 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 struck me about it at the time if we're going to bury hatchets yeah is that like somewhere in the, or, or along the line you sort of got sucked in i did and and, and like and, <laughs> and that's that, right I did. And, and that moment where i'm having a nervous breakdown because they kicked me out of the group because some you know idiot swept with my guitars i want to tell that story again I'm told too many times right. and i just remember being in the parking lot of the comedy store yelling breaking glasses yeah and yeah. you come out you're like dude Dude, just dude, calm down, man. Just it'll be fine. I'm like, you're one of them. Get you, fuck you. You're one of them. Yeah. No, and I, and I, you know, man, I, I really felt for you, because I really did, because I mean, it, you know. And I just said, it's going to be all right, man. It's, oh, yeah, just, it's just, you know, it was just, it's just, I said, it's going to be all right. Don't let, it's just, oh, it's all horse shit. It's, yeah, yeah. It's going to be okay. It's just, too don't, don't worry. But, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like, you know, and it was all, and, 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 you know, and Sam was just drinking and doing that. Much. I mean, he wasn't a rational human being at all. But, you know, he had that weird magnanimous sort of like, you know, when you were part of that thing, you felt like you were part of something. Yeah, yeah. I no mean, that was the about. fucking thing about it is like, you're like, you know, we're, we, we're in the secret world. You yeah, know, yeah. we got Sam on our team. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, I think the only thing that kept me, uh, I had a day job. I had to get up and go to everything. So if I partied till two, I, and I remember laying there with my card and my chest, and I still had to get up and go to the day job at eight o'clock. And then there was days I went where, where I was like, Where the fuck were you working? A law firm? A, a law firm in a mail remember. room. In West, in, in, in West. And Holy I had to go just so I couldn't really get, I mean, as much as I want to go, hey, let's get crazy. I still had to do that to pay. So I had money. But I, but I remember, uh, 
and I was just trying to tell you, look, it's going to be okay. This this is all, you know what I mean? But they got they got a weird, but they did that to a lot of people. And Sam, Sam was out of control at that time. I mean, I watched. He liked him. he liked fucking he was, killing the he competition. Was a, he was a bully, right? And, yeah. He was a bully, man. And if he couldn't trust you, he would take you down. Well, there was. I remember the one time there was that was a great moment when you know they were watching the HBO special over at Carl's apartment. Yeah, yeah, I remember we were all over there watching that. But did you, you drove over in the car with me and Belzer, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that weird moment because like you know Belzer's like uh, you, are you guys. Uh, gonna go over there because i'll go if you go and we're like yeah fuck yeah so we got into that eldorado of his right. we smoked that fucking pot that he used to call the hammer remember like you got any pot i got yeah. the hammer you yeah. do that little thing with his hand yeah, the yeah. Hammer. i got the hammer yeah so <laughs> so we get all fucking high and i remember do you remember like when we're driving up to carl's and sam's crossing the street with that slut that he was going out with and fucking bells or guns it and and sam didn't realize who it was at first and he looked like he was like terrified like he's about hit by a car yeah. and he comes around to the window bells rolls down the window and sam goes oh it's you and bells says yeah i did that to Belushi once. Remember what happened to him? Oh, that's so funny. And there was just like this weird kind of tense moment. I remember the night he crashed his vet. He crashed the vet. And we were in the recording studio with... Um, when was that? That was after I left. No, this is after you left. But yeah, he was in the... And he was drinking and doing bumps and then recording with Cheap Trick. Yeah. Uh, a song for the album. Yeah. And Sam was hammered. He yeah. was hammered. It's like... And he's going, and they're going, hey, let's take you home, Sam. Let us take you home. And he jumps in the car with CeCe DeVille. Why even CeCe got into the car with him? He was nuts. He was driving that black vet that said X-Rev on the back of it. I remember that, yeah. And, uh, you know, he jumps in his car and whoo, takes off. And I'm going, oh, God. So I get my car at uh, Chiselka. And I said, look, we got to find out the, this kid named Mike Chiselka. And we I remember followed him. And, dude, we come around the bend, and that thing is up on two wheels between between a, uh, 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 a telephone pole and a hill, and I'm going. And Sam's trying to get out, and he can't. Selka pops the window, and he climbs out. But during the climbing out of it, he drops an eight ball, and CC jumps in my car. We take off, and uh, he just left the car there. Yeah, just left the car there, bro. And there's no, bro. There's no way he's staying in his condition. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I just, I just walked home. I didn't think. I, but they caught. And we're down there watching the cops and stuff. He goes, "What are we gonna do?" I go, "I don't know, bro." You're watching I, him with binoculars. Yeah, yeah. From down from the hill, you could see the. the you cops. just drove up the hill with. The I binoculars? drove up the hill in, in his house, and oh, through okay. the back of his house, you could see the street. Yeah. that was a oh, little okay. below. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you could see the cops show up and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and he had his bodyguard going and say, "Yeah, yeah, I was driving that night. I lost control. I just figured we get." That's the, such a fucking classic Hollywood story. Yeah. The body, which bodyguard? Uh, Gene, the tall guy. I don't know uh, if I yeah. knew Gene. I knew the one. He was an ex cop, and he said, "He goes, yeah. So you were driving." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, whose eight ball was it by the car? He goes, well, you guys that... didn't pick up the eight ball. No, Sam did. <laughs> that's how. That's how you knew we were in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, and then there was that that night. I actually, it's so funny because I was like, uh, I don't know if you were there. Were we there the night I drove him off stage in the motorcycle? Well, no, I'm, that was before I got there. Yeah. Like that was sort of what got you in with him. When I met yeah. you, you fucking, I was there with you the day that they took your cast off, and you thought you could walk. Yeah, and we went walking, and you got all pale and pasty. You're like, I don't think I'm ready yeah. yet. And, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. We know what ha you know what's so funny. I remember my brother was out here. We were staying at the Hyatt next door. Yeah, and the guy said, Yeah, just three months. I, I, I. This was like you know, it was almost like a year and a half, two years. You had pins and everything. Yeah, how'd yeah. you wreck the thing? Some guy hit me. I was just driving. I was I was the runner at the comedy store, and uh, yeah. I uh, my car was in the shop that day, so I just took my little thing, and there yeah. was some construction, and some old guy wasn't paying attention, and just kind of backed out and kind of pulled across and just kind of tagged me, and uh, it was pretty bad, but. Uh, but uh, you know, I almost lost my leg. I mean, thank God I had a good surgeon who saved it and I had to do a bone graft. And they put, you know, eventually later on put a pin in it and stuff yeah. like that. But that was a really tough time. But I remember, you know, it's so funny that I remember me and my brother cut it off and I was uh, trying to walk and stuff. And yeah. I'm walking down and Richard Pryor 
had been going to the comedy yeah. store, you know, and I and I start walking out, and I'm just kind of walking out, and it's so funny. Pryor had just parked his car, his little Ferrari there, yeah. and I just, I it was like a timing thing, and I'm just coming out of my leg, and he sees that I'm trying to walk, and he goes, "Hey, you okay?" I go, yeah, I just got my cast off, and we just had this, and me and Pryor walk from the front of the Hyatt over to the comedy store, and just had this great conversation. He goes, "Yeah, I got a motorcycle." I said, "Well, get rid of it, man. It's flesh and bone. It's still and concrete. Don't mix." And yeah. He goes, "Yeah, yeah." We just had this great little thing you know yeah, yeah. and he walks up to the comedy store and we just go hi man. and it was, he kind of walked in he came back he was richard man i said jimmy nice to meet yeah, you yeah. I, but i mean it was like this the coolest moment my brother was cool enough to actually hold back a couple of guys who was going out oh, that's richard Pryor, man yeah, yeah. So it was just it was just the coolest thing man uh, it was a very human moment but it was just one of those moments that you could have at the comedy store yeah, at that yeah, time yeah. where you had i mean you know they say what you would but you had i there was uh, we talked about the craziness and the nuttiness but there were some really cool moments, right? You know? Oh yeah, 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 you, yeah. You, When you were like you said, you you know, we were out there and we were working on the craft. I yeah. mean, we were going up. And everybody, and, they're they're just people at the comedy store. Like you know, if you're a comic and you can go in the kitchen, you could hang out with Pryor, you could hang out with Robin, you could hang out whoever's yeah. in the kitchen. You know, you could try to get your two cents in, but you're still right there. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was working at the door and you'd watch Shanling and stuff like that. I used to watch Shanling. I, you know, the great thing about that is you can watch the best guys in the country. We were kids yeah. out there at Ground Zero to Comics Explain. We were trading punchlines with the best guys in the country. Sure. And you know, you, I was watching the door and I'd watch and I knew he was working on some stuff and he'd come up with a line he goes what do you think of that I go I, I thought you know he said maybe they flashed the lights at me like they like yeah. I, he was talking about having like thick contact yeah, yeah, yeah. they were so thick people were flashing their high beams oh, yeah. oh that's a you know yeah yeah but, but I mean and then you know you talk about you know I mean even Paul Mooney and yeah and, and Paul uh, Mooney God he'd always go on last and he'd sit there and you kind of like you wonder when it was gonna be over and, no but he was yeah. I, I watched him Sam I mean, used to like watch Paul Mooney everybody yeah, liked be, to watch because Mooney. he was so he was such like a, a, a he was an unbelievable comic I mean I, I never saw anybody who get the audience to love him and hate him and love him and hate him and mm -hmm. fall in love with him and stuff yeah. and it was just I mean he was like you know a, a legend you talk about a legend I mean he was one and of those he's guys always like the guy at the end too yeah yeah and I would sit there and watch him and I just I just I was I, I actually really watched him and it really kind of grew on me this guy's amazing I mean, oh yeah really, yeah and he, when he worked the door you watched everybody yeah yeah it was fucking yeah, amazing it was an education unto itself that uh yeah you know that uh, and we uh, went on to run our lives into the ground <laughs> that we went on to well you know it's it's funny because you think about this i mean you know this wasn't even a viable occupation you know and, and not like there was what it was in like 1975 where there were like three or four maybe five or six what maybe let's say 10 comedy clubs in america yeah you know in 1975 there were about 10 comedy clubs in america yeah and now look at it i mean it's like you know you can make yeah. your living yeah. doing it now yeah I mean, i'm gonna have a, there's a club in here later tonight I got people coming. <laughs> <laughs> you're opening is that all right that's all right man no I, but the motorcycle thing what was that what happened you like i remember it was you, you wrote well, it no up. well i was i was i was uh sleeping with mitzi and i wanted to get out of it right. i was doing whatever i could to get out of it for her to go that's too much you get out now because right. at that point I, I didn't care it was i, I you know it was just, it became sad yeah it was <laughs> no. <laughs> no but uh but uh so i was sitting there and i remember i was on my motorcycle. i remember driving backstage on the motorcycle i was sitting backstage on the motorcycle and sam is on stage and it's the monday night when he would go up late yeah yeah and he rock and roll night rock yeah. and roll night and porn yeah. stars and, yeah. and everybody and uh you know he's going on and a uh, cut uh, go, he got off now he late he got, got off not a die bar Kurt that he was telling to get off get, Sam get off, off stage because was they ready to close yeah so i, I remember st uh i started my motorcycle i'm like you're gonna go out there and i said i don't know i was just kind of like just starting up to like hey, hey wrap up the show you and you're know? in the building yeah i'm in the building i'm right <laughs> behind the curtain and uh, he goes well if you go out there you need a joke i said what's he got he goes say his last call by the way your ride's here so and i i had a long trench. Gave you that line biff uh, yeah biff yeah. yeah i had a long trench coat and i had my mirror and I, 
and Shane's going, what's going on? And you had to go down those three steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in front. I said, it's last call. I look at Shane. I said, by the way, your ride's here. And I didn't know at the time, but he was so thoroughly scared to death of motorcycles because he he had fell off the back of one when his brother had one when he was a kid, like a mini bike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but he's in front now. You got a whole room full of people. There's a guy who goes, your ride's here. And he throws down the microphone and he jumps in the back and I pop it in the gear and I, I had to hit those three steps. Again, pop it in the gear. I made it over those three steps. I, I could have stopped there, but I, I made the turn. Yeah, and I'm going down, down I remember the hallway. Down the hall and there's a bunch of people. I go, get out of the way. People are jumping into the dressing room. <laughs> and I, I remember the back doors. I just, and I had to go down three steps almost and boom, right on the center. And I didn't even look. I mean, we could have been killed. Yeah. I had no, but boom, right out. And Sam has got a, like a death grip. I'm like, wait. You know, like, he's like, I'm going to make it. And, and I get out, I get out, we made it out. And I remember turning around at La Siena guy. We had to ride, turn around. And he finally goes, you're a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and I remember we pull up and about 30 people, 40 people on a bike go outside the building. They all come running out to the sidewalk. And so, and I remember pulling up, and I turned, and Sam jumps off the bike, and I just dropped in the gear. I went home after that. And yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I thought, ah, that's pretty cool. Two weeks go by, and I don't see Sam. You know, he was on tour doing something. I remember I came back to the comedy store, Jimmy Schubert, you crazy motherfucker, get over here. And I walk in the back, and he's standing with Ray Newman and Randy Quaid, and he told the story. Randy Newman? Lorraine Newman. Sorry. Oh, Lorraine Newman. Okay. I did a crisscross. That's all right. But, uh, and he's telling them the story. And the way he told it, I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess that is pretty cool. What, what did he tell it? Well, he just told the same story, but he embellished it and this, that, and the other guy he, drives he, you, didn't, you mean he didn't portray himself as a scared no, bitch who was I hanging on for dear life? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, but it was... Uh, but you got to give him that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but yeah. Sure, that's how it happens, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> but what happened after, like... Because, like, when I left, I mean, I was nuts. I mean, I had really, you know, fucking, I was psychotic. And it took me a long time to shake it. And yeah. uh, I just left. I mean, I was out of touch with everybody. I don't think I saw you uh, uh, again for yeah. a long time. Well, I told you. I said to you that night. We talked about it later on. I said, did you, uh, I said, did you, did you take my advice? She goes, yeah. I, I drove home. I drove out of town. I stopped to go to the rape ball and I drove out of town. <laughs> I met my brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, what happened, Mark, is everybody eventually, you know, hit that wall. I mean, I, I, I you know, as we were the meltdown of reactor number three that you talk about that you had. Yeah. I mean, we all had that. I mean, Sam had that. It was, but, like, what happened, his, though? Like, weren't there guns involved? In well, it? So his brother, Kevin, committed suicide, and Sam went off the deep end. You know, I mean, he was just, I mean, he was on, like, he was doing, he was doing the, you know, he was yeah. going to do a Belushi, man. There was no he question. He was shooting up and shit? Well, no, he was just, no. I mean, he had, yeah. but he had, uh, when Kevin passed away, and I don't blame him, it's not an enviable position to be in, but his, his younger brother, Kevin, committed suicide, yeah. and he just drowned himself in cocaine and booze to numb the pain, and what happened was, after that grief passes, you're stuck with those bad habits, and I think he made several attempts to clear, clean up, and, 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 and we all did. I mean, you know, he went to AA, you know, tried. That's so funny, but you were all packed. You were part of the, the sort of new outlaws who was touring with him it was carl and and you and me, me Sparky and, carl, and mike you, uh, Giselka, mike Giselka and, and mitch walters and alan stevens you know and there was that tour where you go 
one, and you were like, you know, kind of like, you know, every third city we'd rotate, to, and then we just took care of, like, you know, you took care of the bags and made sure everybody got their bags at a hotel room. And, you know, Entourage. Just, yeah, but, you know, basically, yeah. yeah. And then, But I would go to the radio. I mean, I learned how to do radio watching Sam do radio. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd also watch, you know, the show, and I was paying attention. I was yeah. there. And I also would, uh, when I go out to these markets, I would call the comedy clubs. Yeah. And I would invite the owners and the bookers out to the show. I'd go, well, we'll leave two tickets for you. Come out and do yeah. the thing. Because I might would, have a career if I don't die. Well, well, <laughs> well, they were, well listen, I, I realized at one point, I said to myself, I said, Sam's not going to make any of these guys famous. I mean, it's a futile thing. Well, that was the thing. It's this whole idea. I'll save, I'll save you eight years. Yeah, man. you cost me eight years. Yeah. He would say, I'll save you five years. I go, you cost me five years. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, but I would invite these club owners and uh, and the bookers out to see the show, and they would come backstage, and then you know say, hey, how are you guys? Thanks for coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I would go, when I go back to, I would call. So when I would come off tour with these guys, I would go back on the road and do those clubs. Yeah, and that's how I kind of got my my personal Your appearance. foot in the door. My per, my personal, appearance. but I was the only one doing it. Right. No, nobody else. Well, who, it, I don't even know where those guys are. Randy doesn't do. No, no, anymore. and I see him once in a while. He lives in my neighborhood. I see him running around. Is he's, he all right? Yeah, he's doing good. You know, I mean, I see Alan Stevens once in a while. Yeah. Mitch Walters. Uh, I did a movie with him. Uh, he had still alive. Huh? Yeah, still alive. He's still treating life like it's a gambling window at a right. racetrack. <laughs> and uh, you know, pieces. You know, he's yeah. he's got pieces. I mean, yeah. he just just hasn't changed a bit. You oh, know, yeah. he's, he's a real life grifter. I mean, he's a real yeah. he's a real life grifter. Well, there was a lot mechanic. of those in our business. Yeah, yeah. And, Back in the day, anyway. Yeah, and Chisuk, I think, practices law in, in Cleveland. Really? And, yeah, he married a judge and he went back to law school. Really? Yeah, and I think uh, God, sometimes I have more respect for the people that got out and actually made a regular life for themselves and fucking stayed in this and like just watched their dreams, you know, you know, drag them through. Well, the it's so life. funny, dude. You do that line. I remember you do that line. It always made me laugh. What? It takes you. 10 years oh, yeah. to, be able to become an overnight sensation. And unfortunately, it's the same exact amount of time it takes to be a complete and utter failure. A bitter failure. And, and you don't know till the night before. <laughs> but I mean, but it's, but it's true. I've had to raise that to 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm but, still in the. I'm still in the hey, listen, game. You know the thing. Yeah, you're still in the game. Uh, you're still alive. Hey, it ain't the graduation picture, but fuck it, we're alive. You know, that's true, man. Have you seen? And, you and I can tell you, man, a lot of guys I know they stopped doing it. You know, they've stopped doing stand-up comedy. They, they've done other stuff, and then they try to get back into it, and they can't. And or just you know, even a little so, bit of time. That's a little sad. And uh, and I, I just you know, I just love doing them, man. I, I, I love. You're a great comic. I mean, like I watched you the other night, and you know, you, you're out there fucking hammering away, and you're doing the clubs, and you know, you fucking work your ass off, and you know, and when you get on stage, it's like you're gonna fucking turn the room over. I mean, like I watched you recently a couple of times, and it's just like boom. You know, you fucking lock into the mode. It's full on Schubert. And yeah, yeah. You that's right. That's right. We were at the comedy store. We we had a guy. We tag teamed this heckler. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. shut him down. I tried to get. I tried to get the guy to behave. Going like, shut up, man. Yeah. You know, then you guys come out and just bury the guy. <laughs> I think the guy was. You know, it's just reduced to a quivering puddle of verbal yeah, abuse. Good. Guy, yeah, no, the guy's running around back. <laughs> I go, yeah. And you did that great joke about proposing. That that's a funny fucking great joke. Oh yeah, about the vagina. Yeah, that way you get on your knees. That's so you, why guys get on their knees when they propose. They're not actually talking to the girl, they're talking to the vagina. Directly to the vagina. I, I love you. <laughs> You're my best friend. <laughs> uh, That's funny, man. Yeah. But like, so were you there at the fall of the Kennison thing? I mean, what? What? How? How long did you hang on? Yeah, to that I, you know, you know the funny thing. Towards the end there, Mark, I really kind of. Uh, I really was distancing myself, and I was distancing myself long. Because you knew you were going to get hurt, right? Well, well, no, I, I just didn't. I just. It was just going to end badly. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, you know, and the guy had, you know, a house in Malibu and a house in Solar Canyon. I mean, he would fall asleep on the hardwood floor. I mean, I know. I, you know, well, he he'd blow off. He'd blow off. A, he almost didn't make his Tonight Show spot. And, and uh, you know, I watched the guy blow off 30000 He's making thirty five grand. He's going to supposed to catch a Learjet and fly into uh, the, And he'd blow it off. 
Yeah. And I was sitting there going, are you kidding me, man? I, people would kill for this opportunity. Yeah. And it was just it was just sad. And he started taking a lot of pills. And and and, and I just, uh, you know, when it, when someone starts taking the pills and the, uh, it, it just got ugly. I mean, it, yeah. I see I, I saw, you know, that, the, you know, his relationship with Carl got, got soured. And I said, if these turn on Carl, I Carl's said, his ma- best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a matter of time. And I was just uh, I just kind of started he was all alone. Yeah, and uh, and it was... I literally thought that my thing was like I thought someone's gonna die, and it might be me. Like you're, yeah. I'm gonna get dragged down by this. Yeah, well, I I I remember at one point, and 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 listen, I I went on and I hung out with him for about eight years, and he put a lot of cool moments in my life. But you're right, a lot of it was a uh, you know everything's done in a hair pulling, nail biting frenzy. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember on one tour was surrounded by 16 DEA agents at LAX. You were? Yeah, they thought they thought we were. They someone made a phone call and said they're gonna be traveling with a lot of drugs, and unfortunately there were no drugs nobody had anything right and before you know the dea agents are taking pictures and signing autographs eh, oh, yeah, you know yeah. but someone had an ounce of pot which bill took the fall for he goes it's my pot he had to go uh but you know he had to take the fall for it. but that's all that was there it was a little bit of pot isn't that, isn't that interesting bill his brother takes a fall one time and then the body goes, it's just it's so wild how hollywood works and how insulated stars become uh, yeah and, and who's going to take the fall who knows what that fall is going to be yeah well, Bill had to go to all these classes, and I think I think Sam bought him a car later on for it. But I mean, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. The fall might be like, can you just take this body? I don't. Yeah. I'm in trouble. She's yeah, yeah. dead. Could you help me move this body? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I. What happened? I put a coke bottle in her pussy and yeah, broke yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. said, okay, fatty, you are buckle. Yeah, yeah, Let me. Yeah. But you know, it got it got. Uh, but I I think it just got to the point where I was. You know, I mean, Sam was. Uh, one of a kind uh, as far as comedians go. I mean, yeah. I thought he was amazing. I mean, he influenced me. I watched yeah. him. We did a secondary tour where it was me, uh, Dan Barton, uh, and, and, and Dan Barton. Yeah, and, uh, and Sam Kinison. And it was just, I would open the show and, and, and he would, and then, Dan would go second, and and there were no drugs. There but, were no drugs, and it was a, it was actually really cool. But he pulled Barton out of a- a- anonymity. In, yeah, but Barton, Barton like in Queens uh, well, or whatever. No, Barton. Dan Barton is a uh, is an amazing uh, amazing writer. I mean, he's. he's but like, didn't he live on the East Coast? No, no, he lived. They met in Houston. I mean, okay. you know, they used to crash on his thing, but those guys were all Houston comedians. Right. Him, Carl, and and Sam. You know, and, yeah. and, and but Riley Barber, yeah, Epstein, all those guys. Freddie Asparagus, no, no, no. Freddie was like like, like later on out here and all he that died, stuff. Huh? Yeah, he passed away. I mean, dude, we, you know, we, we, we may not, hey, yeah. like they said, okay, we got a little lost along the way, but the good news is we're way ahead of schedule. What did you say? We're on the right side of the grass? Yeah, we're on the right side of the grass. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you know, we're just trying to, and, and, you know, and we're still in it. So you yeah. got to you gotta be in it to win it. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, is you know, this the tape you're listening to in the car? Let's do not. <laughs> No, but I, I just, hey man, I, it's better It's better than having a callus on the roof of my mouth from a loaded revolver. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can make a choice to, you know, but uh, yeah, that, that just towards the end, it got ugly, the pills. He was taking these, these pills and it was just, and I was just kind of like, just, yeah, I, gotta right, go. I got less than I've, 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 I know. Where were you when he died? I was in Florida. I had met a girl, and, the, and I was uh, down there visiting her. And I was doing a bunch of I was doing a bunch of gigs in Florida. Yeah. In fact, after he died, you lived there for a while. right? Yeah, I did. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. Do, I had to get out. It was the best thing I ever did because I cleaned up my act. I worked on my act. I just all it was about stand up, and I really got good. And I wrote like you know three four times a week, and I would. I took a job as a house MC at a place called Haggerty's, which was the worst comedy club ever because it was Boca Raton, and people would come in for happy hour and stay right up until two o'clock. They were yeah. just a bunch of alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know and. 
you, it was just one of the toughest runs. But I, I remember working there for about like six to eight months and just writing every day. You just and had just to going get the and, fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. And it was the best thing I ever played golf. I just took up golf. I played golf. I mean, the quality of my life went, you know, through the roof. And, uh, and I was in a relationship with uh, this girl named uh, Linda and... Uh, you know, later on, it, I wound up doing an intervention on her. Yeah. You know, after like, you know, it was towards the end of a seven year relationship, which, you know, I said, you know, it's my joke. If I was the guy doing the intervention, you, you got a problem, sister. What, what was her thing? Well, you know, she just, she, she was, uh, she was bipolar. I mean, it didn't happen. It just self medicating bipolar, what? Coke? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was self medicating bipolar. And yeah, but yeah, she started with the, you know, the drinking the Coke and, yeah. and it just, you didn't know who you were talking to after right. like, two drinks and, yeah. uh, you know, repetitive and it's a record and go, you need yeah. to get some, you know, yeah, you were different that must have been difficult you didn't know who you were talking to but you couldn't tell whether someone was going to come into the door or not like you, you, you i could see you two on coke you, she's like she's psychotic and you're like do you hear that yeah that's <laughs> you know but, no but i, I, Schumer, I you I, give Schumer two lines he's in the closet hold on i hear something that's so funny yeah <laughs> that was that well and it was never it was never like that until like later on but that's why eventually i just i was just enough was enough i, I mean, remember one time i came back and i you know it was before i cleaned up so it must have been about 12 years ago and i think i was with bob baker and we got some Coke and you did two oh. lines and literally you were opening the closet door going I thought I and I'm like oh my god no no yeah yeah I'd worn out of gear <laughs> I'd worn <laughs> I'd worn out of gear bro I, and, that, and that was it I, I think that was the last yeah. I mean that was the my last hurrah after that yeah, yeah you know yeah. when you you said all right just occasionally all, yeah yeah I <laughs> yeah. said that's it I'm, I'm but I, I don't even do it now anyway I mean, okay. I, I'm yeah I'm just I barely, I barely drink anymore. You're pretty jacked, so you don't yeah, need it. Probably, I, you never did need it. You were always kind of wired. Yeah, but it, but it's just that you know we I had our fun. It's like you know you get to a certain point, you just got you got to let it go. It doesn't end well for anybody, like you said. It's just not you know. It's, there's no winning that game. Yeah, and you like you said, you're right. It's it just doesn't you know you wind up. Uh, you did know, you go to the funeral? Yeah, I did. I went to the funeral. You know, it's ironic. I mean, he was, you know, Sam was definitely a kind of a shoot. That was a shooting star, and that was the arc. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I was just, uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I have never had to defend. You know, in retrospect, if he had just died before Wild Thing came out, it would have probably been a better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm just glad it wasn't in a hotel room, like, you know, with, with you know, uh, a couple of hookers. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. You know, and just like, you know, go, oh, okay, great. This is how everybody said it was going to end. I mean, you know, I, and the funny thing is, you know, you, you just have, it's one of those people you just, you know, people the, the, people have their definite opinions about him, and I just like, you know, you, you just get tired of defending him. You know, it's like, I, whatever he well, was. Well, you know, the other weird thing is, like, as much of a beef as I have with him, and, you know, for years, I just, all I wanted to do was go pee on his grave and, uh, <laughs> you know, and get it on tape. In retrospect, I, you know, I, I still listen to his fucking record, and, and, and those times are, like, irreplaceable. As crazy as they were and as, as hurt as my feelings might have been, he was something, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was not, there was not, uh, definitely uh, a true American original, one of yep. a kind, without question, and certainly one of the uh, most influential comedians of that time period. Him and Hicks, I think, were two of the most influential comedians of that. Of very, that, they were very different in their weird way, and like I, I think that Sam gets dismissed, uh, you know, more so than not, which is sort of sad. Well, because I, I don't think he left a big enough body of work behind. I, I think he really kind of. Uh, He's also he, a little bit of a sexist and a little like he gets a rap, you know, yeah, like yeah. you know he represented this weird culture of, uh, and of I, decadence. I, I think and. I think he was the guy that kicked in that door that also yeah. let dice in that door and, 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 and other more outrageous guys in that door because yeah. that was, yeah. uh, you know, so I think, uh, but yeah, but I think you're right, you know. And he just gets a, he gets a bad rap because I, I actually think that what happened after that first record and the, you know, the sort of like uh, the self-destructive path or the music that he became sort of a, a mockery of himself. You know, that he, you know, because Start, he started to buy his own bullshit. A little of that and yeah. whatever. But, you know, I did that tribute for him, you know, uh, 
uh, at the comedy store that they recorded. Yeah, yeah. And I was happy to do it. I, you know, I, I still got uh, some love in my heart for the guy, and you know, and, and I, you know, I was a kid, and it was a, uh, it was a pretty wild time. It was definitely a life defining time. No question about it. I, I mean, uh, it was. Uh, I wish you had hung out longer. I wish that didn't go on because I remember we were like kind of like you know, it's like one of those things where we were like trying to push each other and kind of write. Me and you, and, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, and trying to write and get the get the stuff going, and, and well, it was just you know, I lost my mind. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you found it again. Well, it's good to see you, buddy. You as well, my friend, and thank you for having me on the, the podcast. It was great, man. Let's have uh, let's go get some uh, soda or something. Absolutely. Jimmy Schubert, probably more than you ever wanted to know about the comedy store in a very deep, personal, and uh, slightly nasty way. Love that guy. I haven't seen him in a long time. We were very tight at another point in history. Uh, that's the show. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Please get on the mailing list. Please go check out the merch, man. I got new posters, signed posters, cups, mugs, t-shirts. There's going to be buttons soon. Buttons. Buttons. What am I? What is it, 1982? Who needs buttons? We need buttons. They're not there yet. They will be. Please. Uh, you can. There's a full episode guide there. Everything is accessible through WTFPod.com. You can get the app for iPhone, iPad, Droid, iPod Touch. Uh, you can see all the episodes now, who was on them. There's no reason to tweet and ask me to be have someone on. If they've already been on, you can look at them there. Uh, and if, if you get on that mailing list, I will mail you something. Every Sunday, you will get an email from me that I sit and write. And I'm engaged in it. Thank you for all your emails, by the way. I am so sorry that I cannot get back to all of you, but I do read them. Again, if I could, the Palms tonight, that's uh, August 18th, 19th, and 20th, in Vegas at the Playboy Comedy Club. And next week, Hilarities in Cleveland. That's next Thursday through Sunday, August 25th through 28th. Please don't get lost. And if you do, find yourself. Don't rely on the machines. <laughs>